Hands up on defense. Go after those loose balls. This is what I was yelling 24 hours ago as a basketball coach. And now I present to you, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are the pure in heart. Yeah. It doesn't take much to recognize that what the, the, this vision that we, again, in the words called the Beatitudes, that what Jesus talks about today is, is not the way that our world works, right? None of us were told by our parents as we headed out the door, Okay, I'd like you today to weep and to grieve and mourn as much as you can and really just cry every single school period throughout the day, right? That, that wasn't the advice. It was like, get ahead, work hard, maybe respect your teachers, stand up for yourself, right? This is what we tell. And so, again, this, these words of, of Jesus, they, they seem so sort of, sort of otherworldly. And, and yet, they're compelling, 2,000 years after Jesus first said them, somehow, in spite of the fact that, again, they, they seem like they just belong to, to some parallel universe, they, they inspire, they convict, they, they kind of give us permission to dare to dream, to say, what if, what if the world could work like this? What if, what if it, it was that, that the pure in heart didn't didn't get hurt? What if, what if it was that, that those who kind of, who got ahead were, were those who didn't seek after their own reputation or finances, but, but instead those who, who really sought after righteousness? Or, or what if we, we stopped figuring out better ways to, to hurt each other, but what if instead we, we figured out ways to build lasting peace? Again, there's something compelling about the vision in the Beatitudes that, that draws, us, draws us in. But in some ways, it's, it's so beautiful that, that it moves almost from inspiration to vague aspiration. Kind of like if I'm in a museum and I saw a Vincent van Gogh painting, I'd say, wow, that's, that's really beautiful art. The color, the strokes... But, like, I'm not going home and trying to paint, right? Like, it, it's so much better than anything I could do that I'm like, I'm done. And I sometimes worry that when we hear the Beatitudes, it's so lofty and so beautiful, we just kind of say thanks for forgiveness before we even get started. So the question is, is Jesus simply offering this as some sort of picture of a world that could never be, or is Jesus actually describing some, some reality that exists in our midst? Well, so let us ask ourselves, has there, has there ever been one? Has there ever been one who has shown mercy? Has there ever been one who has been pure of heart? Has there ever been one who, who hungered and thirsted with everything in his being for God's righteousness? Has there ever been one who was poor in spirit when they crucified him and he called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Has there ever been one who was reviled and persecuted solely for his proclamation of forgiveness and his loyalty and faithfulness to God? Yes, there has been one, and his name is Jesus the Christ. Jesus here in the Beatitudes, first and foremost, is talking about himself and how he has fulfilled, not just taught, but how he lived and he embodied this way of being in the world. But Jesus doesn't simply say, blessed is the one, or blessed is the man, but he says, blessed are they. 
And when he says, blessed are they after he himself has done it, he's saying he's inviting us. There's more room here. He's inviting us to, to this way of life. But of course, then we have to say, how do we get from where we are in our broken, muddied reality to, to where Jesus is talking about this grand and lofty vision for life on earth? And the road there from here to, to the Beatitudes is, is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is, is talking about. It's, it drifts and permeates through the Beatitudes, and it will be our strength. It will be our power to seek the way of Jesus here as he invites us into this life of the Beatitudes. To get at this, though, I want to look at one particular Beatitude. I could do this with any of, any of them, but I want to focus on one. And I, and I want to focus on, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And the reason why I want to focus on that one is because this last week of Bible study, I said, in our world today, which of these Beatitudes do we need the most? And everybody said, peacemakers. And last week, I, I preached in part on the, the war in Ukraine and our need for global peace. And I, but I could have taken any number of stories of, of shootings in our country or the fact that once again, once again, we are grieving and shocked as a nation at the violent scenes of the death of a black man who has had a traffic stop. Again, we are so broken and so longing for peace in our world, for a different way that we could actually live together as a society. And so, yes, we will... We will delve and we will ponder together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Now, when we were kids, we were all given our first lesson in peacemaking. When we did something wrong, and our teacher or our parents said, Now you go and apologize to Peter. And we all did something like this. I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> right? That was about it. What happens there is that there is a, a reality of shame and blame that's going on because part of when we're standing there, we're like, I feel so embarrassed that my parent or teacher called me out. And also, we're right away saying, but it was Peter's fault, so why do I have to apologize? Right? And if you're wondering about the shame and blame game, you can read right back to Adam and Eve. This, is, this has been the, the human MO since the very beginning. Blame and shame. Shame and blame. They go together. And this is the sandbox that we play in. And then we get older, and what we do then is, well, when we're starting to feel bad about something, we, we call up our friends, and we tell them what injustice we've had, and if they're our friends, they affirm our prejudices and say, you're right, you were wrong, and we're like, exactly, and then we get even more torqued up, right, and we're like, that's right, and this is what happens to us in our families, with our friends, between peoples, between uh, groups in society, between nations, and we become so convinced that the other side is wrong and we're not willing to admit the wrong in our hearts because the shame is too great. So how are we going to finally move out of this blame and shame game? Well, this is where the cross of Christ comes in. Because the, the cross of Christ is going to move us from blame and shame to confession and forgiveness. Because what happens is that, well, see, for us as humans, for us who now are Christians and, and acknowledge Christ, we hear this word that Jesus Christ died for us. And, and that, that, that means 
That means something really hard for us because what that means is that you and I needed a Savior. You and I needed God's grace. You and I needed someone to die a bloody death for us. And that gives us pause and makes us realize that each of us, each of us has fallen short of the glory that none of us have the total moral high ground over anybody else. That all of us, each one of us, needed that cross. And that takes away our ability to so quickly blame others. <clears throat> but this might alone produce shame if it weren't for the cross, that we know that Jesus did this out of love for us, and that each one of us is loved. And so suddenly we, we move from the, the blame and shame to a place of both being loved, yet also humbled. And once we're in this spot of knowing that we're loved, that we can finally admit that we did wrong to the other person and to our God, now we can start to listen. And now we can start to find a common ground, and now we can, can move forward. Now, I could give really beautiful examples in human history, and even in the last 25 years, places like Rwanda or South Africa, where this has happened on a big societal level. But I don't, again, I'm not going for something so aspirational that it doesn't seem like our life. So I'm going to give you a real practical example of, of a peacemaking uh, sort of pattern here, okay? And it involves the game Mahjong. Any of you familiar with that? Like the Chinese tiles, you have to match them up, okay? okay. So, so last two weeks ago at Bible study, uh, a person shared that uh, they go and they play Mahjong with a friend, and uh, they also do another game. And, uh, well, this other game involves Siri, but first I have to tell you that the person who told this story is a self-proclaimed progressive. They're on the liberal end of the spectrum, and their friend is on the conservative end of the spectrum. But what they do, they play a game where uh, the friend comes with the question, say, how many immigrants illegally crossed the border last week, okay? And they both ask their iPhones, which have Siri, they both ask Siri the same question. And do you think Siri gives the same answer? No, because they all, because Apple, right? Think about how much, all the computer has done is read all of the websites you go to, all of your friends on Facebook, all of your emails, all of your texts, and it has figured out who you are, and it has figured out what you want to hear. And so it tells you what you want to hear. So they do this other game with Siri, where they say, you know, again, and they discover Wow, so maybe my friend isn't totally crazy, but all day long they hear a totally different feed of information, and that leads them to different conclusions. Now this might not much sound like, wow, this is powerful forgiveness of the cross being unfolded, but it's, it's about a posture of humility and a ability to listen to each other that I think grows out of our sense as Christians that we're loved, yet we know that we all are a work. We're all a work in progress of God. And, and if we want to find a way to live together as a people, this is the kind of thing we, we have to do. So go play Mahjong with your friends and ask Siri questions and see what happens. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. When we are, though, confronted with, with some of the things that happen in our lives, um, be it, you know, long-standing, almost generation-long conflict in families, or when we just, again, see the, the images on TV or the videos, and we're just so blown away. 
and, and we become convinced not only that things are a mess, but, but that there really is evil loose on the world. That evil isn't an abstract concept, but it's, but it's manifest in our world, and it, it seeks to tear apart the fabric of society. And that sort of this, again, this, this strange tendency towards cruelty and violence. And it's so easy to just kind of want to throw in the towel and just say it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of hopeless. It's not going to get any better. As Christians, though, again, we, we have this, this cross. And in the, in the cross, we know that, that God decided to put injustice on trial. God decided to put sin and death itself on trial and to crucify it in the body of Jesus. God has said that this will not prevail Indeed, we know that there's not just a cross, but an empty tomb, and that death and sin and evil, no matter how powerful they may seem, do not have the last word. But we as Christians know that Jesus Christ, his love, his mercy, his redemption have the final word. And this means we can never give up. We can never give up because we know that God wins. Two summers ago, our nation pulled out of Afghanistan. And regardless of what people think politically, everybody was in agreement that this was, this was bad how it all happened. And, and that furthermore, that uh, after two decades, there were many Afghans who helped us. We underestimated the power of the Taliban. And now so many people that, that had helped America now had their lives in jeopardy. And there was this, this sense of like, what are we going to do? And there was this really kind of not well-orchestrated but just desperate attempt to clear as many of them out as the country as they could. Now, I believe our nation is still a nation of hope, but we are certainly a people of hope here, a people of hope at St. Paul and a people of hope as Christians. And so there's a way in which we want to acknowledge, yes, the forces of evil and war were there, but God's love still exists and still prevails. And God has called us now into the act of peacemaking. And so a group at this church then began to work over about a year and a half with Afghan refugees. Took them in, right? Took them to doctor's appointments. They started to try to line them up with, with English classes. Help them line up for work. Help this, this integration. They're going to talk about it after church today in the social hall. And I, and I wish I could tell you that all they're going to tell you are stories that all will make you feel good. <clears throat> it turns out, though, that, that working with people who, who don't speak the language, who have a different religion than the majority of people, who have a totally different sense of medicine, of housing, of civilization, of women's roles in society, it's not easy. It turns out that, that peacemaking has never been easy. And that furthermore, the, the fruit of, of the efforts cannot be known now, but will only be known in a generation, if not more, as we see whether the children of the current refugees were able to integrate and avoid social disaster. Peacemaking is a long, slow process. And so we, we never sort of get to say proudly, look, look what we did. Look how sophisticated and religiously pure we are. But rather, when we engage in peacemaking in our families, in our society, in our community, we do so because we, we bear witness. We bear witness not to our own moral achievement, 
but we, we bear witness to the cross of Christ and the fact that all are in need of redemption and that that redemption has come in Jesus Christ. And we, we bear witness to the cross and the empty tomb as we say, yes, there is evil in this world. God has declared it so, but God still reigns and there is goodness and work. And finally, we just bear witness to the one, to the one who was crucified, who is risen, and is eternally the peacemaker, Jesus Christ. Amen.